These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clad as they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all their ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words of which were before spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Kind of the message tonight hung up on themselves. You notice twice in this chapter, and Jude really, I believe, here is describing hirelings, what Jesus called hirelings in John chapter 10. He said, you know, he talked about, you know, he was a good shepherd, give us the life of the sheep. And, of course, then he talked about hirelings that would flee when the wolf cometh because he's a hireling. Uh, in other words, in it for the money. And two times Jude uses the word in this passage, seven verses we read, themselves, um, verse 19, and um, I didn't write down where the other one was, no, I can't remember, oh, verse 12, feeding themselves without fear, separate themselves, verse 19, verse, verse 12 was the other one, and then two times he, and it's a very same idea, two times he, he uses the phrase, walking after own, their own ungodly lusts. So again, following their, themselves or their own desires. So the three things tonight I want to look at. The description of hirelings, um, the disposition of hirelings, and the decision of the hirelings. First of all, the description of hirelings. And it's pretty lengthy, and what a description. Uh, it's, it, to me, it's very descriptive. Uh, I think I have six or seven things here. First of all, he describes them as feasting with you. Verse 12, these are spots in your feast. Of course, spots, again, have the idea of stains. I think I mentioned that either last Thursday or Sunday night. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you. So it was a custom from what we can gather, if you read the book of Corinthians also, and, and here is made reference to it, and I believe it was made reference maybe other places. And, you know, I really didn't take time to look it up, but it, it, the Bible seems to indicate that the early churches had uh, what they called, some of them called them love feasts, or feasts of charity, which would be fellowship meals, like we do. And here in amongst them, partaking of all these things, and which he kind of describes one of the characteristics of them, they feast with you. And, you're the, and there's spots in your feasts of charity. In other words, and, and so they're feeding themselves. Uh, the word feast with here has to entertain sumptuously or lavishly or to revel together. 
And, and he says they're feeding themselves without fear, or they're bold and arrogant about it. Now, these aren't just ordinary people. These are people that profess to be teachers of the word of God. Uh, verse 4 says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, and denying the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So these are uh, people that claim to be a ministerial type that would feast with you even though they're hirelings. They would creep in. In, in Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel talks about the uh, shepherds in Israel. You might call them Old Testament prophets, and there was a lot of them that did this kind of thing. In Ezekiel 34, remember in Jeremiah's day, there were always those that were contradicting Jeremiah and telling them, you know, one, one man prophesied in two years. They're going to be brought back to the land. And, he, and Jeremiah had made a yoke, and he broke the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck. God said, you go make up a yoke of iron. And then Jeremiah prophesied against that prophet, and I believe it was the same one, and within a year that prophet was dead. Because he prophesied, prophesied falsely. He was a hireling. He was feeding himself. And Ezekiel makes reference to these in Ezekiel 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, ye clothe you with woo, ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. Now, you know, remember some of the things here. You know, force and cruelty you have ruled them, because that's a description that Jude is going to give. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. And then again, in John, I made reference to this, in John chapter 10, John chapter 10, in verse 10, The thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that might have life, that might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf cometh, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. So they feast, or they entertain themselves, sumptuously or lavishly, just feeding themselves. Again, the emphasis is on self. He describes them as empty clouds. You're an empty cloud. A cloud has an appearance of rain, but it's disappointing. There's no rain in it. Nothing of substance. He calls them twice dead trees. <laughs> I don't know how you get twice dead, but it, the application here, of course, is spiritual. But, but in Matthew 15, 12 with 14, Jesus said something to say about this. He said, Then came his disciples, said unto him, Knowest now not the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? You know, he, he, what he said was that 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 which entereth into the man 
does not defile the man, but what comes out of the heart. And the Pharisees were offended at that. It wasn't what you eat that defiles you. It's what's in the heart. And the Pharisees, and, and so they were offended when they heard that saying. But he answered and said, notice the statement. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So, again, God's going to root them up. You know, they were God's chosen people. They were rooted up. They were rooted up. Uh... 1 Timothy 5, 5 and 6. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. So when you think about being twice dead, plucked up by the roots, they're dead while they're living. They're spiritually dead even though they have a presence or a, a, a uh, appearance of life and present themselves of having as having eternal life. I think, I think you can make a, a, an implication here uh, to the fact, remember what Jesus said, that the Pharisees uh, compass land and sea and make one a proselyte and then make him twofold more the child of hell than themselves? Or is this doubly hard to win a person? What he's really saying is it's doubly hard to win a person who's religious who's been converted to some religion, it's doubly hard to win that person to the truth. Because now you've got to undo all the falsehood. So they're twice dead. And, you know, these are people that know the truth, have access to the truth, have been told the truth. The truth walked among them, yet they rejected it. That's what these are here in Jude. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but go over to Second Peter. Second Peter. And I'll just read part of this, but Second Peter chapter two says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness then after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. So the, and, he, and Peter here is talking about apostates as well. So it was a willful choice. They heard the truth, but they have totally cast it aside or rejected it, just like the Pharisees said. We will not have this man to rule over us. So the wife's dead. You know, and... It, it gives the, the idea, I believe, that these people have gone beyond the point of return. In other words, they've, they've, they've made a definite choice, and there's no turning back. That's what the Pharisees did. I believe the Pharisees had committed the unpardonable sin. That was you know, referred to as blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. They were accrediting uh, to Jesus the works of the devil, um, works of the devil, what Jesus did, and because of that, Jesus said, though they hear, they will not hear. They cannot hear. You read Matthew 13. And he told the, told the, 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 the disciples, unto you it is given to know, but unto them it is not given. In other words, they'll hear it, but they will never 
understand it. Very dangerous places to be in. So they are twice dead. Uh, fourthly, they're unpredictable or ungovernable. There's verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. The word raging means noisy, bold, wild, ungovernable, unreasonable. Did you ever hear of Todd Bentley? Todd Bentley, you've probably all heard of the... Uh, what was it called? Lakeland Revival back in 2008. And supposedly, uh, I don't know, thousands, you know, was supposed to be, I, I can't remember how many they said there was a, supposedly thousands. I'm not sure they used the word got saved. But, you know, there was credited with many miracles. But anyway, it's headed up by this guy by the name of Todd Bentley. Bentley. Um, Some, un some obvious examples of unmistakable heresy promoted by Bentley. This came from uh, Grace to You. It's dated. I don't see a date on it. Anyway. Number one. Bentley frequently told hyper-violent stories about his own manifestations of the Spirit. Smashed tables and doors were common results of his charismatic experiences. Now, he did this while he's preaching. Of course, he also healed people, and it's not in this article, but but uh, he he supposedly by heal he he healed some lady of her cancer in the groin by kicking her in the groin. There have been news reports come out of uh, Norway, and I think this was in 2012, that people actually died as a result of going to his meetings from his abuse of. In fact, the United Kingdom banned him from coming. He was supposed scheduled to go there. He was scheduled to go to Pakistan, and they said, "No, you're, you're not. It's, it's not safe to have such a guy here." Uh, they wouldn't allow him to come in. Uh, so these are the kinds of things. Uh, Bentley, quote Bentley, also told his followers that God had not instructed him had instructed him not to preach about Jesus, but instead to stress the supernatural. Here's the story in his own words. Quote, you know, I told the Lord, why can't I just move in healing and forget talking about all that other stuff? He said, because, Todd, you've got to get people to believe in the angel. Hmm. That'd be a red flag right there. I said, God, why, don't, why do I want people to believe in the angel? Isn't it about getting the people to believe in Jesus? He said, the people already believe in Jesus, but the church doesn't believe in the supernatural. The church has no problem believing in Jesus, but what we don't believe in is the supernatural. Sounds like a real gospel preacher, doesn't it? Enough of that garbage. Um, wild and ungovernable, unreasonable. Uh, wandering stars. And the idea here is of no, uh, no certain course. You know, change is their buzzword. Always something new. Some new thing. So it's without a fixed law. You know, kind of reminds you of what was said about the Athenians in Acts chapter 17, verse 21, where it says they spend their time coming up and looking into or hearing some new thing. Well, there's an old saying that I, I've heard for years. If it's true, 
it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. You know, so these people, if the old method don't work, try something new. Keep changing the program to keep interest. Keep people occupied. Keep them busy. That's what you see a lot in ministries. Ecclesiastes 1.9, the Bible says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. There isn't anything new. It may have a different name. But it's not new. You know, the theology of Jehovah's Witnesses was not new with Charles Taze Russell. That was, that was a heresy in the, the uh, first couple centuries. Denying the deity of Christ. None of these things are new. It's just packaged different, given different names, given different twists. But they're not all new. There's really only two religions in the world anyway. That's the truth and the false. Uh, but So they're unpredictable, ungovernable. There's no law. Um, and then they have an attitude of superiority. Notice verse 16. These are murmurers and complainers walking after their own lusts. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Great swelling words. The idea here is bulging over. Uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon describes it as expressive of arrogance. Great swelling words. Having men's persons in admiration. The word admiration means to pay regard or admire one's external appearance. To be influenced by partiality. You know, many, many people are caught up with the size or supposed influence of these large ministries, quote-unquote. And they think, oh, wow, it's just so impressive. They're reaching thousands of people. You know, they always look so good on TV, and they're always so positive and so encouraging, and they make you feel good about yourself, and they talk about all the thousands that they're reaching, and here we are. You know, a televangelist can get on TV, put on his makeup. I'm not joking, they do. And he always he can always look look as look the best, right? But you see me as I am. You see your you know you see us as we we see each other as we are, not as we just may appear. And then, and then because of advantage, that phrase has the idea of to profit in the sense of booty. You know, plunder. Something seized by violence and robbery. That's the idea of advantage here. So what the Bible really calls these is thieves. They're thieves. Notice verse 4 again. For there are certain men crept in unawares. They come in unawares like a thief. And that's what God calls these, thieves. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. Paul had something to say 
along this line as well. Second Timothy three and verse six. Sort are they which creep into houses again, talking about men being lovers of their own selves. We see that in verse two. Covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, all the same kind of ideas, without natural affection, so on. Um, traitors, heady, high-minded. For this sort are they, with verse 6, which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. So they creep in. You know, many parachurch ministries have sucked the life out of local churches. They take the best of their young and the wealth of their old. I read a book about a mission agency which saw Pear Church has been had been for years. Uh, I can't remember now what it's called. But anyway, it's, it's it, Wendell. I can't remember the guy's name started. Anyway. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. I'm not getting old. It's just intellectual overload. Uh, but anyway, you know. And anyway, the book went on talk. The book was entitled "Sedition and Missions," and this missionary left it because of the problems and the compromise he saw in the mission agency. And one of the things he said was, "They are taking the wealth from local churches by seeking the estates of older people in the church." And things that at one time were left to the churches are now going to the mission. And of course, these missions and agencies have their own. They they pay them, you know, and and so forth. They have their own retirement policies. So if you leave the mission, guess what you lose? Your retirement package. So they they take the best of their young and the wealth of their old. God calls it plundering. Robbery. They mock God's plan. Notice verses 15 through 18. It says, To execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Verse 18. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. And again, these mock God's program, which is the New Testament church, they have no respect for local church authority. They'll take your members without consulting or consideration. By the way, this is not exclusive to these TV evangelist types. And some colleges that run their churches that way. By the college students who find the admiration of the bigger church more attractive than the little struggling church. In fact, I was approached when I was pastoring a little struggling church. Why don't you just come here? I mean, you could you could preach several times a week. We got prison ministry. We got this. We got that. What about my church? What about our church? See, that's how they run it. And they would take members. Took a member from our church. Not this one. And never being consulted again. 
What is that? That's disrespect for a local church. And that wasn't an apostate. That was an independent Baptist. But notice, notice what he says here. This is what they speak against. Uh, well, let's move on. The disposition of hirelings. Number two, the disposition of hirelings. They have an appearance of domination. Notice in verse 15 again. To execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Hard speeches, fierce, stern, or tough. But the question begs to be asked, who are they hard against? Let's read it again, starting in verse 14. Are they against hard against worldliness? Or modernism or humanism? Notice verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh matter, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So these hard speeches aren't, it's not, it's not talking about hard preaching against sin. It's talking about hard speeches against God. They have spoken hard against the Lord. You know, it, it goes, really it takes, the idea takes us back to verse 4 where it says, they turn the grace of our God into the civilness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So these hard speeches, are, they're fierce and they're stern and they're tough and they're hard against the Lord. Think about it. Saul was hard against the Lord before he got saved. The Pharisees spoke hard against the Lord. What do the liberals say about us? Our kind. They're not nice. All these, you know, I've heard, I've heard this, and it just, it irritates me. Well, he's such a nice guy. I said, nice guys don't cut it. There's a time to pull out the sword and use it. These nice guys aren't nice sometimes because they let people go on in their wickedness and do not speak out against it because they're nice. Joel Steen is a nice guy. makes me sick. See, we're legalists. We're killjoys. We're killers of soul winning. You require repentance and a changed life. Yeah, we want something that's real. Not something that's phony and plastic. So Jesus. We're dogmatic and narrow, you see. See, the hard things they have to say are not against the worldliness or liberalism or humanism. It's against us. So they have this appearance of domination. There's irreverence for God. Verses 16, again, verse 18. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's personal admiration because of advantage. And again, you notice that statement again in verse 18, how they told you they should be mockers in the last time. 
who should walk after their own ungodly lust. The idea here of walking after their own ungodly lust is their desire to do ungodly deeds. Now, it really, what he's saying is there's no reverence, no fear, no deference to God. See, reverence means if I'm going to reverence God, I'm going to give deference or I'm going to give consideration or give place to what his desire is over mine. Just like a wife who's obeying the Lord is to give place to her husband and defer to him as her head. I'm to give place to the Lord. Forget it. They're not interested. The only thing they're interested in is their own ungodly deeds. Now, it it doesn't necessarily mean that they're immoral and wicked that way. It just means they don't give any consideration to what God says. We already saw that they are ungovernable. They have no no, uh, uh, certain course. So you just decide as you go. Is that what God has left us? Has not God given us a pattern? Has not God given us instructions how a church is to behave itself? How we're to behave ourselves in the church, the pillar and ground of the truth? But no. So there's no consideration of what does the Bible say? They don't care. So the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15 that we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we're to compare scripture with scripture and, and rightly interpret it without it contradicting itself. Because the Bible does not contradict itself. If it contradicts itself, you've got an interpretation problem. And of course, we do that Paul says, you know, we're to study so, that, so that, you know, that we know how we ought to behave ourselves in the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. So they totally disregard what the Bible says, and there's no respect for local church authority. It's just, after all, it's just a church. Of course, you know, they don't understand the local church truth anyway. Uh, so there's this irreverence. They walk after their own ungodly lusts. Third, they are natural in judgment. Verse 19, and this word is the same word that was used earlier, as we'll see. Verse 19 says, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Now the word sensual has the idea, you know, could give you the impression of sexual immorality, but that's not what it means. It just means natural. Again, Ferris Greek lexicon describes it this way, having the nature and characteristics of the principle of animal life, which men have in common with the brutes. If you notice in verse 10, he used the word as brute beasts. So they're just going to follow their instinct, whatever comes natural to them, whatever they think is logical to them, to their own human reasoning, that's what they follow. That's what directs their life. And, and, of course, it tells us that they are with not having the Spirit. In other words, they don't have the Spirit of God, which means they're not saved. Romans 8 9 says, tells us very clearly, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So, so this is a disposition of, of the hirelings. 
ignorance of domination, irreverence of God, natural judgment. And I want you to notice the third thing, the decision of the hirelings. Verse 19 again. These be they, and I want to emphasize this point. These be they who separate themselves. Verse 18 says, who should walk after their own lusts. Verse 15, they have ungodly committed. So this is their continual choice. These be they who separate themselves. You know, I, I had, I used to, it used to bother me when people would say something to this effect. Why do you have to be so narrow? Why do you have to be so separated? Aren't you causing division? And then I read this passage a few times, and I thought to myself, no, I am not. It is you who is. He says, these be they who separate themselves. They are the ones that have caused this. They are the ones that have chosen to separate. They have separated from the truth. So who is causing the division? You know, liberals... Even, even in the political realm, liberals will tell us that we conservatives are divisive. We're just holding to what our Constitution, which is over 200 years old, has stated. Have we separated from our Constitution? Have we caused a division from our Constitution? The answer is no. Okay. Neither have we, as Bible-believing independent Baptists, the separation. It's these that chose to go away and follow their flesh instead of following the Spirit that are causing the division. So don't feel bad when somebody says, you need to point out to them, no, I haven't changed. I still believe the old gospel, the same, same, same truth that Baptists for centuries have believed. We have not changed. I wrote that to a guy here not too long ago, an email. I said, we still believe what we've always believed. We have not changed. If we changed, we'd have a bigger crowd. We have not changed. We still reject easy believism. We still reject uh, 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 CCM. We still reject other Bible versions. We still hold to to standard separation. We still believe in church discipline. We still believe all these things and practice them. We have not changed. But again, this is their continual choice. Go to 2 Timothy. Paul made reference to this and also Peter. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, there's that own lust again, shall they heat themselves, teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And then in Second Peter, chapter 2, Second Peter, chapter 2, and verse 1, Peter says, but there were false prophets also among the people, and even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So, again, the apostates aren't new. You know, there's nothing new. 
there are false prophets among the people way back in the Old Testament times, and there's going to be false prophets, he said, among you too. But notice verses 19 through the end of the chapter. While they promised them, li- them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of a, whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought into bondage. For if after they escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them from the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But as happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. You know, a good example of this is Judas. What did Jesus say about Judas? It had been better for him if he had not been born. He walked with the truth. He heard the truth. He saw the truth in action. But made a deliberate choice to turn away from the truth. And return back to his own vomit. Or like a sow, after she's washed, to go back to her mud hole. You know, this is their choice. This is their decision. So we see their description describes their actions, their life. How does your action describe your life? What, a, what is characteristic of your attitude, your outlook, or your disposition? How do you make decisions or choices in life? Is God's will considered? Is he in your thoughts? Do you have the spirit bearing witness in your life that you are a child of God? You see, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. And of course, Romans 8 tells us the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If a person is truly born again, the Spirit of God is going to bear witness that they are His children. Does God's Spirit bear witness with you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for this descriptive passage of Scripture that you laid out before us. Father, I pray that you would help us just to be aware and be warned, be wise concerning these apostates. Help us to be aware of our own attitudes, to lean to the flesh. Lord, help us to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray if there be any in our midst who do not have that assurance tonight, the Spirit of God continue to work in their hearts. Father, help them realize their need of you, and um, if they need help, they would seek it out. Thank you again for your love for us. We pray in Jesus' name.